We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Week three NFL, food for thought. All I can say is, wow, as if I you know, didn't have enough of the first couple of weeks of action here. I missed the Aaron Rodgers all-timer uh, when I was on vacation and I had the commish fill-in with my good friend Will Priester. And this league is insane, Chief. It's just surprise after surprise, and that's why we love it so much. How are you? Good to see you again. Welcome to Pooper Fallout, everybody. Yeah, man, absolutely. Uh, so glad to be on with you, of course, and uh, just happy to come in and, and and talk a little bit of NFL for sure. Um, definitely uh, exciting times here. Definitely exciting times in the league. And, um, you know, I, I, I will say – the NFL, like MLB, in a in a nutshell, it's just it can be so unpredictable in the early stages. Even though we know these players and we know their capabilities, teams still have to get in a groove. Um, things still have to go uh, go well for teams to have success in the NFL. Like for instance, in baseball, let me, let me say this, Luch, in baseball. If a not so good team gets hot during a stretch, you know, sometimes they can sneak in and if they stay hot, they can make a little run in the playoffs. In Absolutely. the NFL, that that's not going to happen. If a team's bad, eventually they're going to fall out of contention. And the good teams are typically going to rise to the top as the season normalizes. And so it's still early in the season and I think we I think we see some teams that, you know, lost week one, came back and fought hard and, and squeezed out some wins. And I think we saw some teams that won week one come back and and not be as good as I think we expect. Um, I, I almost feel like we need to keep this. We're, we're going to make this a Tennessee Titans home show. I think we might need to start there this week because we were both, I think, a lot higher on Tennessee in this spot than probably most in the industry. I want to start there, and then I want to talk about Seattle for multiple reasons. So I think this is a good elephant in the room uh, spot here. If you tuned into Crunch Time on Sunday afternoon, uh, Chief and I were on with our guy Keith Eister, and 
we spent some time on that Chargers Titans game and we kind of nailed it. I mean, it didn't hit the ceiling that maybe we thought it would for some of the guys, but I, I mean, I was on the show and I straight up said, Hey, one of my bills is going to be a, a Chargers double stack and I'm running it back with Derrick Henry. Um, and I played the hundred dollar single entry. I finished 95th at a 5,600, you know, uh, uh, made three X on my entry, which is fine. Uh, finished with 177 DK points, which is awesome. So I just went into our results database and um, looked at the Millie winner build. Same build. It had Herbert, Keenan, Mike Williams, ran it back with Derrick Henry. I had those uh, same exact pieces. And, uh, you know, shout out to Millie winner, uh, 180 degrees Miami, had that build. He had Rashad White, uh, who was one of our expert uh, yeah. conviction plays in lineup HQ. Um, and I had Debo Samuel. Uh, yeah. Zach Ertz, Kyron Williams with the late Cam Akers news, and uh, the Tampa Bay defense. So it wasn't too uh, far fetched of a wacky Millie lineup, and uh, I'm glad we kind of were pretty close to nailing that uh, game theory we had going on there. So talk to me a little bit more about that game. Yeah, I think one of the things I saw in that game, uh, believe it or not, believe it or not, Luch is, and, and I want to talk about this because I think it's important. The Jack, uh, uh, excuse me. The Titans' passing attack is not dead, right? Here's here's why I'm bringing this up, Luke. Yes, we had 25 carries for Derrick Henry for 80 yards, and yeah, Derrick he didn't eclipse 100. He wasn't maybe as efficient as we as we as we wanted, but the the fact still remains: Derrick Henry is the workhorse of this team. If you can get both facets of the rushing attack and the passing game going from a Tennessee perspective, they're going to be a very hard team to beat. Now, one of the things I, I do want to say is this. When we look at the Titans, D-Hop only had four for 40. So we kind of had some massive distribution in this game. Like Traylon had three for 76. Chris Moore had that one big catch. But D-Hop, 4 for 40, Chigo Quanquo, which we talked about, 4 for 35. You know, uh, Nick Westbrook, Akina, 3 for 25. Derrick Henry, picking up right where he left off last year, which I think is going to be good for fantasy owners down the stretch. Last year, we saw Derrick Henry get involved a little bit more in the passing game. And I don't want to overlook that. If Derrick Henry is catching three passes a game, two to three, or get, getting enough target volume, eventually he's going to have some monster games. Because he's one of these guys that can take a screen 60, 70 yards to the house because of the because of the speed, the athleticism, the power. And this is just like handing it off to him with the head of steam going downhill. So I'm bringing that up because the Titans, I think, if, if they stay healthy, are set up for really good complementary football if Ryan Tannehill can go 20 for 24 for 246. And that's really where I'm headed. This is very efficient pa- passing from Tannehill, 20 for 24, 246 and a touchdown. If this is the Ryan Tannehill, the, the, the Titans get in shootouts, they're going to be fine. It, it wasn't as pretty as the box score is going to show you. Um, but you saw the glimpses of the play, the play action game. I mean, no turnovers, though. No, no that's turnovers. really what I'm driving. 20 for 24, 246. No INTs. You know, he, we, we can live with that. He took five sacks. And, you know, you're thinking 
throw the damn ball, etc. But would you rather him force the throws that we saw in week one, which cost them the game against New Orleans, or would you rather, you know, rather have a drive ending sack and punt the ball away and have a, a formidable defense out there to try to, to try to do their thing against, against the offense. So yeah, I'm with you, but he's a play action quarterback. I, he can get the job done once in a while when he steps back, you know, straight drop and throw, but it's, it's, it's kind of ugly when they're forced to do that, but you know, they really do have to establish it or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. So you to honor that play action game and a gritty team. The Titans are a gritty team uh, two two and O as dogs against the spread so far this season. Um, obviously they covered both games and one outright in game two. And that's, you know, the Josh Kelly chalk, we both said, Hey, don't do it against his defense. And that was a, a really good move. So for once, we're going to do a minor victory lap. <laughs> we, you know, called that game uh, pretty well. And then Keenan Allen had a game. And, you know, when, when you throw the ball a bajillion times, volume volume and opportunity kind of, you know, takes precedent over anything else. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I definitely think if people caught crunch time, you know, they they, they got a chance to get the, the uh, food for thought for crew to give them some ideas late on a Sunday. And, and I, I'm glad it uh, worked out. I want to go back to another game that we talked about. And while this game didn't end in the fashion that we thought, it kind of did. Loose, were you on food for thought when I talked about the fact that I thought the Colts-Texans game could be good for fantasy goodness if we stayed there? And lo and behold, lo and behold, it was. Now, now what ended up happening was Anthony Richardson gets hurt early. But if you played the passing game like like we talked about, Stroud went for three eighty four and two. Nico Collins seven for one hundred and forty six yards. Michael Pittman eight catches for fifty six yards. Zach Moss eighteen for eighty eight and one four catches for nineteen yards. Robert Woods six for seventy four. Tank Dell seven for seventy two. Like if you followed that game plan, here's the thing. Young quarterbacks on bad teams facing each other typically does yield fantasy goodness. They don't, they can't stop you. It's, it's typically a good spot for them to get right. Whereas my quarterback, Bright, Bryce Young, is going to be have to be facing good defense. Almost everybody in the division in the division has a good defense at this point. So my, my point is to me, this was a good game to kind of measure these young quarterbacks. And then my elephant in the room here is. Poor Colts. Anthony Richardson was starting to roll in that game and goes up with a concussion. And they they had to end up just, you know, using Gardner Minshew, who's very serviceable, a veteran now, is definitely going to keep this team afloat. But Anthony Richardson was kind of showing why the Colts drafted him over over a guy like uh, Levis, Will Levis. Like, Anthony Richardson looks to be – ready to be a professional quarterback. You know what I'm saying? Um, and so hopefully he has a speedy recovery. And that's kind of my elephant in the room. Uh, I, the Colts are hoping Richardson gets back because they don't want him out for this season. They want him to take the lumps, right? Take all the lumps this season, get all the bad stuff out of the way and come back next season and be ready to go. It was really nice to see Michael Pittman get a healthy target share early in the season. I thought we would have seen that with Matt Ryan and people were drafting him at like the fourth round turn last year and in uh, season long in best ball and stuff like that. And uh, we're seeing Kylan Granson do things like, you know, some guys coming out of the woodwork to 
you know, to, to be formidable here. We'll see what happens when Jonathan Taylor comes back. On the flip side of that game, I know he's getting a lot of volume, but first of all, kudos to C.J. Stroud for the way he's playing with uh, an offensive line that's missing a couple of starters already within his first two weeks. And Nico Collins, the chemistry that those two have, I mean, Nico Collins has been unbelievable. Really cool to see him get a healthy share of targets and finally come into his own as a pro. So like what I'm seeing there, we saw some Tank Dell in week two. So, yeah, you know, you got your Bobby Woods there and things like that. But I think as the season gets into week 13, week 14, they start phasing out the vets a little more when they're not competitive and get the young guys some more reps. So now the Texans might not have a winning record, but they're fun. At least they're, you know, and and so are the Colts. So this division, uh, certainly interesting. And, you know, I I think I think I want to talk Jaguars Chiefs uh, in a moment um, before we start kind of previewing. Uh, next week and tie some of these things in but I want to talk about Seattle and Detroit what a game and I obviously missed last week's show I was away on a little vacation it was my girlfriend's 30th birthday we were in Colorado so I have some good food and and some uh, story time to talk about at the end but but you know uh, I know the margin for error in in you know sports betting and DFS is minuscule and i've been on the right side of some some big wins i've been on the wrong side i've been on the wrong side of plenty of them but um i had a a 12 team parlay in week one i hit 11 legs uh and seattle money line against the rams is what buried me and that one hurt that would uh would have been a nice 29k w in the pocket so that was one i i thought i had after the first half of that seattle rams game and then la just crammed Seattle in the second half. Uh, And then, you know, week two, speculation here in Detroit coming off a big win uh, in week one. And speculation is that, well, you know, Seattle's line is really banged up. Geno's going to be running for his life. Uh, The Seahawks also had uh, a little bit of an injury scare with uh, DK Metcalf early in that game. Uh, But, you know, before you know it, I mean, we have a straight-up shootout and a, a, just a thriller, a game that went to overtime. It kind of uh, had the same exact outcome uh, as last week's matchup when these two teams popped off. It was just an absolute shootout. And I want to give kudos to Seattle. They didn't help me uh, whatsoever in week one, but... You know, they battled through and through this game against Detroit, and Geno had a killer game, 328 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, They didn't get the ground game going, but you saw Tyler Lockett and Metcalf complement each other uh, extremely well. And what Geno Smith did, you know, he hit a ton of receivers. Uh, JSN had six targets, didn't have anything really to show for it, 34 yards. But Geno spread the ball around to nine different receivers in that game. So I think that's huge. And he was taking it with Detroit, uh, you know, gave him. And I'm just, you know, not sure exactly what to take away from the Detroit Lions. You know, big win on paper against Kansas City in week one. Uh, That was a game which I think Kansas City should have won. There was some horrendous drops in that game. You know, the Lions, a win's a win. We talked about that. Uh, briefly, uh, and then they come to a home game with all the momentum in the world and and just lose to a Seattle team that got schlacked by the Rams. So I, I think the Lions kind of are who, who I thought they were. Um, they are a good football team that can get hot and have a high ceiling, 
but I think it's going to take some volatility. They have some things to clean up. Plus, David Montgomery is super banged up right now, so there's going to be a lot of pressure on Jameer Gibbs. Uh, and so that kind of, you know, the Lions kind of are who I thought they were. I wasn't ready to claim them NFC champs after beating the Chiefs. Kansas City, you know, tying that into Kansas City. Travis Kelsey comes back. Everything's going to be fixed. Chris Jones is signed. He's on the field. Everything's going to be fixed, right? Well, I don't know if they were partying a little bit too much for Patrick Mahomes' birthday over the weekend or what happened, but that was a dogfight, a grueling game, which many people across the industry pegged to be a shootout and DFS friendly and whatever you call it. You know, Travis Etienne didn't do squat. Calvin Ridley, awful. The one hit in that game um, was Christian Kirk, and a lot of people were saying, you know, Christian Kirk is the man beater, you know, great in man coverage, blah, blah, blah. I had a great game. Uh, Zay Jones did go down as well, so I'm sure that helps his production too. But uh, in terms of, uh, uh, you know, DFS and taking the overs and things like that, it was a total dud. In terms of competitive football, it was sloppy. It was ugly. It was a, a good, ugly football game, just not what I expected whatsoever. So give me your takes. You know, Detroit and Seattle here, are the Lions kind of where you thought they would be? Um, and then, like, tie that into – what happened in that Kansas city Jacksonville game for me, chief? Well, I do want to talk about this Seattle lions game because I think, so I watched that game. Well, I, I take that back. Luke. I was watching red zone. And so a lot of that game kept cycling through, obviously, because it was one of the hotter games. I think this week, here's what I will say about that game in general, the lions. If you watch that game and I, I did watch a good deal of the lions had that game under control. Jared Goff throws a pick six, and that totally changes that game. The pick six is is what happened in terms of um, how that game flipped. And then, so now, so then Jared Goff had to play behind the sticks. They were down two scores. Jared Goff, they got to stop. Uh, Jared Goff scores a touchdown. They get to stop. They get the field goal. They go to overtime, and they just couldn't stop Seattle in overtime. I still think Detroit was the better team that day. The pick six bailed out the Seattle Seahawks in a general sense. And and I and so I don't want to downplay Seattle being to hang in this game. They scored 37 points. So that wasn't all the pick six, but the pick six did get them in back into the game. Uh, I still think the Lions have a lot of football games that they can win. And so I, I do think for them, I don't want to overreact. What I do think, though, is that Seattle – came out to play football after just looking awful in week one. Uh, in terms of the Chiefs-Jaguars, the Chiefs did not look good, even with Kelsey back, but they were on the road. And when you are, you know, a championship team, you find ways to win. The Jaguars aren't ready, in my opinion, after week two. They got to find a way to take the next step, right? Like, they struggled with the Colts. And then Kansas City came – to town, they were at home, and they struggled again. And so I think what we need to see from the Jaguars are, are they actually ready to take the next step and become a contender? Once again, as we talked about, I've already picked Tennessee to win this division. I think they have I think they have too much experience to, in the end, fall to the Jaguars this season. Tannehill's got experience. Henry's got experience. The defense has experience. DeAndre Hopkins, make, you know, even if you want to include his lack of playoffs, He's still got tons of experience. Like this isn't a guy that's, you know, been in the league two seasons. He's been in the league plus years now. Like he's going to be fine, right? And so, I, 
I want to see if the Jaguars are ready to actually take a leap, and they're going to have to beat some top tier teams to do it. We can't we can't scrape by Indianapolis, and then don't beat the Chiefs at home if you're ready to take that next step. I have a couple more games. I think we can like. There's three of them that are sticking out to me that I feel like we should talk about, and maybe we can tie some other things in. And by the way, we're recording on Monday, folks. So you know, not like week one. We don't have a wealth of information in front of us. Let let me go to more of a simpler one first. Tampa Bay is two and zero. Chicago's zero and two. Baker Mayfield's doing his thing with some weapons here, man. And Justin Fields, it's not looking good early. There, there, there's some disconnect. What in the world is happening? And Tampa Bay twenty seven, Chicago seventeen. What are your macro thoughts on that one, buddy? I listen. I, I got to give it to Baker Mayfield. I think that's, I think that's the bottom line. Like Baker Mayfield has come in, he's done his job, right? So, so first of all, Baker Mayfield had to earn this job. They didn't hand him this, this job in Tampa Bay for what it's worth. You get what I'm saying? Like this isn't. They didn't give him the job because he had more experience than um, God than Kyle Trask. They gave him the job because he earned it. And so this is probably, Luke, the best offensive coordinator he's ever had, really. I, I'm, I'm, it, it, I'm pretty sure it's the best offensive coordinator he's had. It's probably not close. Like, yeah, Freddie Kitchens was his coordinator. They gave him the job because he, he did such a good job. But Baker's had a lot of turbulence in his career. I am not a Baker Mayfield fan, but I, I have tons of respect for what he's been able to do. And we're not seeing him throw for 120. He's deeper for 300 yards last week. Yes, Mike Evans had to make some big plays, but he put him on the money. Like he he did. And so I, I'm I, I don't I'm not a Baker Mayfield fan, but I'm happy that it seems like he settled into a role. Tampa Bay's two and oh. And the Atlanta Falcons are 2-0. and We're going to see what happens with the Saints here tonight, whether or not they're 2-0. and But bottom line, this is interesting. Tampa Bay coming out this way makes them very interesting. Their offense can score points with Baker Mayfield. Um, they've got a shot at this division if they keep winning games. And so I, I think it's going to be very interesting for Tampa Bay, as you talked about. He's got real weapons. And this is this is something – after two weeks, this is definitely something to behold. I've got another team that even though they've lost the game, it's a team I talked about last week that I think is still surprising everyone, but we'll we'll get to that, I guess. You're muted. I said let's go there unless you want to save it. Yeah, let, let's go there. I talked about this team last week. This was my – let's call it surprise team of the week. I really talked about them a lot and I thought it was important because of all the coach speak and all the players speak and everything we heard coming out of camp, everything we thought was going to, was going to happen with this team. The Rams are going to be a problem at least after two weeks, week one, they beat Seattle. No, no. Was it Seattle? It was week one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We want to be that Seattle. Was my parlay, the parlay kill me, the kill me parlay yeah. pick. Week two, week one. They lose to the 49ers 30 to 23. Not 30 to 3. 
not 30 to 12. Now they did kick a field goal at, at the end. It was 30 to 20. But still, even if it would have been 30 to 20 lose, for a team that was supposed to be one of the worst teams in football coming into this season to be putting up this kind of production, and they now have Cooper Cup 2.0 uh and Mr. Nakua. When Cooper Cup comes back, what are they, I mean, are, are both of these guys just gonna get all the targets? Like, how's that gonna work? But having those two weapons, along with Tutu Atwell being ingratiated to the offense as well, Matt Stafford seems to be playing fine. Once again, he didn't put up the same gaudy numbers uh, from, from the first week in terms of the turnovers, but he still threw for over 300 against the San Francisco 49ers. 307. Here's what's going to happen. If people keep sleeping on the Saints, they're going to they're gonna mess around and catch the Saints in the playoffs, and it's going to get ugly. And so I, I, I think the Saints are probably, in my opinion, the surprise the, the surprise team in football. And if they keep heading down this path, even though everybody regards Sean McVay as a good coach, if he gets this team to the playoffs, he might need to win Coach of the Year. Quite serious. I'm being honest. Here. He may need to win Coach of the Year if he gets this team, which everybody probably labeled a bunch of misfits to the playoffs. It's going to be an incredible season if they do this. Puka leads the NFL in target share. Yeah, now that won't continue. That that won't continue. But for right now, he's Cooper Cup, isn't he? He is Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup comes back. He it, it could continue. But like we'll see what happens if and when. I'm not even sure Cooper. Like I'm not sold that Cooper Cup's gonna come back sooner than later. I why I don't know. I can't see that being a rush. I I think they're trying to be a little more people pleasy and and tell the public what they want to hear. I wouldn't be shocked if he missed a little more time. But yeah, the other side of that game with the Niners. Just a couple of fantasy notes. Debo Samuel could also be a league winner. He really could. Yeah. He, excluding Monday's games, because we're recording on Monday night, um, and there's some news maybe we could touch on, which we're trying not to live look in too much, but some some craziness going on on Monday. But Debo is leading the league, excluding these Monday teams, in routes ran per team drop back to pass. People were worried about his, his role, you know, and he admitted in the offseason that he had a down year and he vowed to not perform that way. Well, they're making a point to keep him involved. It was Brandon Ayuk in week one. It was him in week two. McCaffrey was McCaffrey in both weeks. Uh, George Kittle's kind of like the one that's not producing out of the group. He's still seeing some targets, but don't get it twisted. Debo Samuel could be a league winner. And uh, he had an awesome week. He was in the Millie winning lineup um, on Sunday as well. So he, you know, he's running routes and that's coinciding with, his target share. He has a 30% target share right now. It's 16 targets. It's not like it's lighting the world on fire because we know um, that offense in a way, in a way like Tennessee's in a way is like those targets are quality targets when they're there typically because you're getting some kind of schematics or, you know, play action involved or some separation. Um, so Debo is an instrumental part of, of the 49ers. And if anybody's selling him for some reason, I, I would go to buy Debo, I think in that game for sure. Yeah, um, love that call. There, there's a couple other games I want to get to, and I'm sure we could tie them together uh, looking forward. 
speaking of San Fran and looking ahead to Thursday, I mean, Chief, we have we have to talk about the Giants and whatever happened. And like most of the public were writing them off when they were at a twenty nothing hole of the Cardinals because they looked so bad and the Giants looked so bad in Week One. And I don't know. I mean, the it's speculative on my part, but the lack of preseason reps, although Daniel Jones saw some decent ones compared to most veteran quarterbacks. But the lack of continuity in preseason reps, I think, is showing. And I'm thinking maybe it just took them a while to get going. You can make the same argument for the Titans. Ryan Tannehill took three preseason reps in the same game on the same drive. And all he did was hand the ball off three times. And that was his preseason. What happens? He shows up against New Orleans. Looks like he's never played football before. Everyone's calling him washed. Now, obviously, he's, you know, 13, 14 years older than Daniel Jones or something like that. So I don't know what, what the real problem is. But Maybe things finally just came together. I mean, as terrible as that first half was against Arizona, like mega credit to that coaching staff in New York and the players for not tucking their tail between their legs. They all know the statistics that if you're 0-2, how unlikely it is to make the playoffs and all that stuff. They know that. They hear the noise. It doesn't matter if they say they tune it out. They hear the noise. So what do they win? A short week battle to travel across the country to go play San Francisco and their 10.5-point dog. So. What do you make of the Giants, and do you give them any kind of Hail Mary shot traveling across the country against San Francisco? No. And not, not, Saquon Barkley sprained his ankle. Bye. Not a chance. Not a chance against San Francisco. Here's the thing with the Giants, man. The Giants, in a sense, were going to be behind the eight ball no matter what this season. Lose. They played the Cowboys week one. They played the Cardinals week two. He, they they might beat the Seahawks because they'll be at home. I, I get, it's possible, but lose. Cowboys, Cardinals, 49ers, Seahawks, Dolphins, Bills. They do, they just had a tough stretch to open up the season, and they still got to play the Eagles twice. They still got to play the Cowboys again. They still got to play Washington. I it's and Washington's two and oh, and I just I'm I'm very I'm very afraid for the Giants' playoff chances, and we're just in the second week because I don't think they beat the Eagles at all, I don't think they beat the Cowboys, and I think they probably split with Washington. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I don't so I give Washington a chance to beat the Eagles at least once. A chance. 
but I, you know what I'm saying? It's like what, where, where are these games going to come up for for them to win? I just don't see it. Like by the time they play the Jets, the Jets may have a new quarterback. That you know, so I, I'm just very afraid for this team. I don't think they're better than the Saints. I, I don't know if they're better than the Rams. I, I don't know. And they play the Eagles twice in three weeks. And as long as the Eagles are healthy, I'm not I'm not picking them to, to beat the Eagles in any, either of these games. And I know that's closer to the end of the season. Injuries can happen. I, I get all that. But generally speaking, as 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 much as the Giants dug themselves up out of an early grave, the grave was there when the schedule came out this season. Can we and hopefully a speedy recovery if you're Saquon, by the way. Matt Breida and waiver wire looks this week for a couple weeks if you're desperate. Um Eric Gray, rookie, got some best ball buzz. If you're if you're going super deep, we'll see if he can carve a roll. Anyway, I think my last elephant in the room look here, because that'll put us on a nice pace uh, for looking ahead, is Washington and Denver. Maybe we could tie these together. Week one, okay, things happen. I don't want to go back and look at Tennessee and New Orleans again, but I will. One-point game, both defenses are good. Ryan Tannehill threw, you know, three picks, and you, know, you lose the game. You turn the ball over three-plus times, you're going to lose the game in the NFL, most likely. Uh, week two, okay, you see some regression. You see some things, you know, correct themselves. These guys are having some real snaps under their belts. Okay, Denver, home game, week one. Huge historic rivalry against the Raiders. You look like crap. You, you lose by a point. You, you, it still feels like Nathaniel Hackett never left. You know, all this stuff about Sean Payton coming in, all the weapons, Javante Williams healthy, oh, P. Ryan, change of pace back. You know, Jerry Judy, you know, he's going to play. You know, week two, he played a little bit. That's fine. Cortland Sutton, good kid. Marvin Mims was barely used week one. Had a baller week two, though. And then, you know, Dolchich gets hurt. Whatever. I don't care about the offense. The offense is a problem right now. I don't know what the problem is, but it's a problem. Like, the whole thing's a problem. I can't even pinpoint one thing because just the entire thing is hot garbage right now. But the defense, that is the should be the bread and butter of this team. And you got Pat Sertan on the outside, you know, and some underrated guys in that front seven. And they've been horrible. Like, I think the most overrated either defensive or offensive unit right now in football, right now through two weeks, is the Broncos. I mean, like, how how do you let that game get into the 30s at home against Washington? And I'm taking nothing away from Washington. I love Sam Howell. Check my best ball shares. I have too much of them. John Dotson guy here, Nazareth product, Pennsylvania guy. McLaurin played well. Like, no. You don't let that game get into the 30s at home against Washington. That team, as exciting as they might be, I don't think they're ready either. Uh, but kudos to the staff, right? Eric Benemy is there. Awesome. Good things are happening. You don't let that happen. That, to me, is arguably the Broncos again. Just I was so wrong about them last year and just on their way to just mega disappointing plenty of people again in 2023. Let me let me at least say this. If they don't win enough games, that's one thing. What we can say is this team can score. Last year they couldn't score any points. So for all intents and purposes, Sean Payton has done his job early. 
and that's been that he made this team competitive on the offensive end. Now can the defense catch up and can they, you know, can they not have some of the fluky mistakes? You get what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to overlook this. They scored 33 points. I know. Last year, the Broncos were scoring like 13 points. So, so things are going right. I saw Russ hit some throws that last season would have been, you know, he would have thrown it into the Rockies ballpark. But he's out there dropping dimes. I actually think this team's going to be fine. I just don't think they win the division. Well, you might not make the wild card. You're 0-2. You know what the numbers are. It's it's going to be tough. It's going to be real tough sledding. Well, well their, their division is tough. The problem is everybody in their division has lost the game now. The Raiders have lost. The Chiefs have lost. The, the Chargers have lost. So it's not like they're completely out of it. They got a shot to go on a run. Like, it, it they got a shot. You know what I mean? And so that's kind of where I am with Denver. While they're 0-2, everybody else is 1-1. The problem is they get the Dolphins this week. I don't think yep. they win that game. They're on the problem. They get the Bears. They should beat the Bears. The Jets come to town. But they should have beat they should have beat Washington and LA. <laughs> no, I understand. But they're not yeah. dead, is what they're not dead. Listen, I, right, right. I'm saying they got a shot. And 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 then they go to the Chiefs. Honestly. I would say their offense is better than the Chiefs' offense right now. It's whether or not their defense can hold up. They can outscore Kansas City if it comes to it. And, and how today, maddening – I'm saying today. How maddening is that as a Denver fan, if you know those out there listening, that you know last year was the offense. The defense was fine. Now it's – what's happening here? <laughs> like, like I mean, look – all facets of the game together. Wasn't Denver up like 21-0 in this game or 21-7? 20... They were up big time. And then Washington just comes storming back. So, you know, it's it's one of those things, man. It's going to be tough. And I like those players. I like the Broncos. I'm just in Colorado. And here I am bashing them. But, you know, even if you're a Denver supporter, you got to agree. It's been a super disappointing you know, first two weeks of the season. And you know, you can't be thrilled about seeing Miami. And maybe, maybe this is a good transition because we can talk about that Monday night game and then go into that Miami Broncos game. Uh, you know, I mean, what a ridiculous way the game ended, by the way, with the lateral back to the lineman. And then uh, man, my, that, that game should have continued. I'm like, man, come on. You just basically pulled it away from the pages that they're surging to try to send this thing to OT. Just – just crazy. See, I I was kind of shocked that I, I can't. I kind of thought it was the right call, but I was shocked that they overturned it at at Gillette. <laughs> right, right. How do you overturn that? You know, and and the fact that it was at Gillette was just kind of a little more you know jaw dropping in that sense. But you know, the Patriots you know clawed back. They didn't let Tyreek beat them. Um, Tua looked great in the first half. Second half, man. Eh. I'm surprised they got the run game going. You know, Tua. Tua just has these flashes of, like, he just does top five QB upside stuff now once in a while. Like, more often than not. Like, he's really evolved. He just, he has this finesse game in him now. His pocket awareness is so much better. And I'm thinking that 
comes a little hand in hand with confidence, right? With the whole injury yeah. thing, he's putting on weight. But like some of those finesse balls he's throwing, uh, I'm I'm really impressed with with Tua. I I can't say yeah. enough nice things. Of course, he has weapons. We know that, and a good head coach. But he just he doesn't look uncomfortable anymore. Is what I want to say. Let me say this about the Dolphins. So the Dolphins are at a place now where I don't I don't want to see them the first eight to nine games of the season. I don't care. What I want to see is can they finish a the season now? They did not finish well last year for what it's worth. They got the midseason and then it's kind of like this offense stalled out for a while. And, and I want to be accurate. Tua was dealing with some injuries. Like it was some weird things happening last season with Tua and this team. And so, you know, Teddy Bridgewater had to come in and try to save the day. And Tua comes back and Tua hits his head, hits his head again. And they had some weird things happen. You know, Tua had that situation where he hits his head and he's on the ground and he's frozen and everybody's saying, well, he should have been out. Like, he shouldn't have even been playing anymore. So I I, I get it, right? So what I want to see, though, this team started out hot last season. Can we get to the middle of the season and, and, and good things still happen? That's what we want to figure out. That's, that's what we want to figure out. If you want to figure it out in person – you want to buy some tickets? Ticketmaster is the place to be. Ticketmaster's got you covered. They're the official marketplace of the NFL. Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat. Interactive seat map gives you 360-degree previews of your section to make sure you got the best view of all those big plays. If your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets, plus mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. You can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your favorite team's colors. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com slash NFL. And with that being said, Denver and Miami got some big names in that game. Loaded main slate. Uh, I'm just, I'm just, all we have is player pricing right now as we're recording. If I am thinking, if, if my, if my conviction, I'm just speaking hypothetically, if my conviction is that this Denver defense is a little overrated, I think it'll probably get some decent ownership on Tua at 7K and Tyreek against the Broncos if that's what I opt to do. I I just I just that I feel like maybe I'm reaching a little bit. It's early in the week. I didn't get to look at a lot. Uh, but I can't see a lot of people having that conviction and, and playing that angle. That's an interesting look, I think, in my opinion. And if you think Denver can score, I mean, then you got a run back of your choosing with one of those wide receivers. I think right off the bat. And I'm just kind of, we talked about Denver and Miami. That's a really interesting tournament game, I think, Chief. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you 100%. I, I, I expect Denver to be able to put up some points. Like, the Patriots moved the ball fairly okay. And, I mean, we saw that, you know, the Chargers were able to move the ball fairly okay as well. Um, Denver should be able to move the ball. I'm not expecting them to win this game for, for what it's worth. But but they should be able to to move the ball. So, um, I think from a tournament perspective, this is definitely a game that that we could lock into. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and and say that Tua probably goes for at least 250 again. Uh, you know, with, with the speeches he's got and all these weapons. I mean, he's got River Craycraft rolling. He's got D- Durham Smythe rolling. He's, I mean, seriously, he's spraying the ball around the field, and Tariq and Waddle are still leading the charge. Uh, Raheem Mostert played well uh, against the Patriots, you know, and, and and he's showing a lot of burst right now. I I like this game. I like this stat um, on both sides, and so 
I think I think they're going to be just fine. Um, so yeah, that, that's that's definitely a tournament a, a tournament target game. Uh, I've I've got another game, and and this slate really isn't elite, but but I do think this may end up being the game of the week again, and it's, and it's the Chargers Vikings. We've seen Kirk Cousins just put up monster numbers already this season. Like he's just pushing the ball down the field, and if the Chargers are going to keep up, Herbert's going to have to push the ball down the field. I think outside of Broncos Dolphins, this is the next game that, that is most likely to shoot out, in my opinion. Um, in terms of both sides, just both teams being able to pile up points. Yeah, I I think that's going to be the public game, and, and like rightfully yeah. so, right? Rightfully, yeah, absolutely. So. Yeah, Chargers Vikings. I mean, geez. that's 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 the that's the play, and both teams are extremely desperate. Zero and two, zero and two. Who would have thought yeah. that, right? And you think you think about Minnesota in this spot, extra couple of days to prepare as well. So I think that's yeah. critical. Yeah, I I think that's the game. And I kind of, I, I obviously you can make a case for all the plays, but Alexander Madison's been so underwhelming that there's some lever, there's a low owned play in that game. I think everyone's gonna want to play Jefferson Hawkinson two touchdown game last week. Jordan Addison's been incredible. No one's gonna play Alexander Madison. And what do we know dating back to last year? You can run on the Chargers. I mean, Derrick Henry was all right. Tajay Spears changed his pace, changed your pace back last week. I think he had about forty yards rushing, didn't he? Tajay had exactly. almost 40 yards rushing, didn't he? Yeah. So the combined. Yeah, I mean, you combine that. Yeah, that's that's really yeah. good. So I think Madison's a tournament play, um, but you can go with any of those pass catchers. That that's that's gonna be the game everyone talks about all week, which really, you know, puts a, a team, a, a potent offense like Miami in so even more of an interesting spot. It, it's just so yeah. hard to click Tyreek at 9K against Denver, opposed to Jefferson 9100 against the Chargers. It's just it's just so hard to yeah. want to do that. And um, I, well, I think, he, you know, the pricing is, is a big thing, too. Here's something else I think is going to be interesting for this week, Luke, because a lot of times we think about uh, games where it's going to be a shootout and back and forth. But what about some of these spots where it should be an onslaught? For instance, you know, when, when I look over the, the, the landscape of the league right now, it feels like the 49ers on Thursday should be an onslaught. And so for those of you that are into Thursday, Sunday slates, like some of us used to be, like the 49ers could very well just put a throttling on the Giants. And while the Thursday games are typically a little bit higher owned anyway, that's still a good way to get exposure to an offense that should be rolling. Like like the Thursday through Sunday slate this week, I actually think is fairly, fairly good. Because you can get Debo and Brandon Ayuk where otherwise – we wouldn't have them on a main slate. And either one of these guys, including Chris McCaffrey, could just go nuts in this spot. Like, have we not seen the Giants get, just be demolished? I mean, the Arizona Cardinals were running up the score. They, they made Hollywood Brown look like a superstar. They made Zach Ertz look like a superstar early. They made Joshua Dobbs look like a superstar early. And now I'm saying early in the game. Now we have really an actual competent team that's going to – and they're on, and, and the Giants are on the road. This could be an upside McCaffrey game. This could be an upside Debo game. 
this could be an upside IU game. And I don't want to overlook that because we're afraid that people are going to put too much emphasis on the Thursday game to get the Thursday through Sunday. I'm not saying we got to load up and play this whole offense, but I think if I'm playing the Thursday through Sunday slate, what I'm doing is I'm perhaps splitting up all three of these main pieces in McCaffrey, Ayuk, and Debo. And I'm, I'm, I'm making a rule and I say I want at least one of these guys at every build and go from there. So I, I really, I really like this 49ers offense because they could very well, if they go up 21-0, the Giants aren't coming back. You, you Rest assured the Giants aren't coming back on this team. That'll make a really interesting, you know, showdown discussion on Thursday. How you how you separate that game? That's gonna yeah. be that's gonna be awesome. Uh, looking at the main slate and talking about how that game's gonna be public, just from a DFS perspective, do you, do you think people like? Do you think Mahomes, Kelsey, still gonna carry as much ownership as they normally would coming off a pretty poor week? Because they got Chicago this week. You want to talk about what should be an onslaught? If if too many people are gonna gravitate towards the Minnesota game, which you know maybe leaves Kelsey and Mahomes. A little under own, like that's where I want to go. That's exactly right. That's the get right spot of 2023. You got the Bears. Yeah, the Bears. that's what I'm saying. Like, this is another onslaught spot, like for Sunday, where the Chiefs, where they may have had a lack of scoring against the Jags, they're at home. They better be able to put up numbers against the Bears. If the, if they struggle with the Bears, I'm going to get very concerned. I'm going to be elitely concerned. But uh, the Chiefs here, this should be an onslaught spot for them. And and really, this is one of those spots where Patrick Mahomes goes out, throws for 350. As an example, you know, Kelsey, I think, is probably still a little hurt. But, you know, he, he has seven or eight catches for 50, 60 yards, maybe a touchdown. And one of these guys we saw, we actually saw uh, that the Chiefs wide receivers can't catch the ball. Maybe they just had a rough time on that week one. Sky Moore, you know, had some catches. Um, the gadget, their gadget player had some catches. So I, 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 I like this spot as an onslaught for the Chiefs. Yeah, and I, I think just from a, a DFS perspective, I, I'm curious to see how the ownership projections shake out. Uh, really hoping we see Anthony Richardson, uh, who yeah. you know was off to another baller start and then got concussed, but. That Colts-Baltimore game, even with Minshew, could have some sneaky points. Uh, we know the Colts yeah. secondary is susceptible, and Baltimore is super banged up, as they always are in the secondary, it seems like. So I think I think sneaky tournament appeal could be Colts-Ravens. Yeah. I, I, I don't hate that. I, I've got another spot that I like a little bit more than that one for, for mm-hmm. an onslaught, but I don't – I get it. I still expect the Ravens to win this game, though, for what it's worth. Like, they're leading this division. They're 2-0. and I don't see them – they're going to try to keep their foot on the gas right now. The more games they can win early, you know, the better they're going to be. So I like this spot. You know, you know what was interesting about Buffalo? And they got Washington. So, I mean, I mean, we're going to see some points there. I think – I said it on crunch time, and – so, like, Buffalo's projected team total was just north of 27. And, and last year when Buffalo scored 30-plus points, Gabe Davis scored a touchdown in four of those seven games. Well, guess what? They hung 30 on Las Vegas, and he scored again last week. So that's five of eight games. So if you think if you think Buffalo hits 30, maybe it's a Gabe Davis week. Like, I don't know. It's just a funny, just a funny trend. I don't know what it means. But 
Well, you gotta think about that game a little bit too. Let's see, a lot of these games are, are game stackable, and I don't always feel that way. And I don't always force game stacks with my quarterback, as in like, you know, quarterback receiver and then bring it back with someone. But you could totally game stack the crap out of that game. You could totally game stack uh, the Baltimore Colts game. Obviously, the public Chargers Minnesota game, uh, Miami and Denver we talked about. Uh, the, the Chiefs. I mean, you can run it back with DJ Moore. Like, I mean, duh. Like, why not? So yeah, these, these are all very game stackable. I think this week. Yeah, here's my here's my last onslaught team. That I, that I want to talk about. And this is a team we just talked about. They struggled this week. Didn't really pull up many points. But the Jaguars are still better than the Texans. They're, they're at home again. This has got to be a spot where Calvin really comes back out. Uh, you know, uh, Trevor Lawrence comes back out. And these guys just try to put it together and have a nice quality outing and don't struggle. The, you get what I'm saying? Like, we saw them put up points against the Colts, which, you know, have a young quarterback. We should see them put up points against the Texans. And if that happens, I think this could be another tournament spot. You know, Calvin really had a dud last week. Are people going to be interested? Maybe, maybe not. Um, so we, we shall see. But I, I think this is a good spot for the Jags to, to come out 2-1 and one and continue to try to, you know, push forward throughout this season. Nice, nice onslaught spot for them. Yeah, and, you know, I the Colts were missing both starting – I mean, excuse me, the Texans were missing both starting safeties. That's a big blow. And, you know, D'Amico Ryans, the defensive-minded coach, you can only do so much with what you have on the football field. So the players still got to execute. So I, th- I think that's interesting. Um, I'm just looking at some spreads and totals, and we can kind of wind down there. Listen, and we'll tie in some news with the Monday night game because, of course, we're, we're recording on Monday night, but um, – I actually bet on Tennessee plus four earlier on Monday. And um, unfortunately for the game of football and everyone's health, it seems like they're going to be in a more favorable spot. I didn't see the, I don't have the TV on. I'm like, I'm like, um, you know, what does LeBron say when he shuts off Twitter, you know, ghost 30 mode or whatever, dark zero, dark 30 mode. I, you know, I'm in the zone here. (laughs) Uh, but uh, I'm getting you know, messages and texts from friends and group chats saying that Nick Chubb had a had a pretty bad injury and uh, he got carted yeah, off. He, yeah, he he got carted oh, off. That's terrible for the game, man. Terrible for him. You know, he had that injury at Georgia too, and uh, he's argu- arguably the best running back in football. Uh, very arguably, top three running back, yeah. top four running back. Like, damn, uh, it's just killer. It's just brutal, brutal. So yeah, I don't it, it really sucks. It, it, it really sucks. And it, it sucks for Cleveland, too, who really I thought Cleveland had a shot, an outside shot at this division. I really did. I, if Nick Chubb's healthy, like, I mean, he, he had 10 carries for 64 yards, and it's not even halftime yet. So I I, I really felt like they had, a, had an outside shot at, at, at this division. Um, and that, that's kind of, you know, breaking news as we had this recording going, but ooh, God, you know, I hate to even like bring up the post roster effects and fantasy effects, but again, that's why we're here too. And you know, they have Jerome Ford. They really liked him. There was a lot of training camp buzz. They looked at him more of a change of pace guy. Uh, he did have a hamstring injury in camp though. And you know, I don't even know if he's a hundred percent, but you know, he's going to be probably the in-house candidate to take some shares and they just signed someone like, a week and a half ago, and I can't remember who it was off the top of my head. 
from was it from New England? Did they sign James Robinson? No, James Robinson's floating around. Anyway, um, there's a lot of, of still free agent running backs. You know, Kareem Hunt, Leonard Fournette. Who's gonna find a home? Of course, if you're with us on crunch time, Cam Akers got yanked and deactivated on Sunday. Kyron Williams balled out, was in the Millie winning lineup. Um, yeah. John Taylor, a couple weeks, who knows, off the pup list. There are services available, and I feel like Cleveland is probably going to pick up the phone and see who will give them the most team-friendly deal to unload one of those running backs. Uh, it's, I just, you know, I couldn't imagine them just saying status quo. I don't know. Is there bad blood with Kareem Hunt after that ended? I mean, he knows the system. How much of a leg up does that, uh, you know, give him in this situation? But again, like Kareem Hunt uh, was allegedly going to sign with Indy weeks ago and uh, apparently wanted more money and clearly he hasn't gotten it. So I don't know where they're going to go. There's going to be some running back carousel. Just the bottom line is that really sucks, like you said. And, um, you know, you feel for him as a human and, you know, his family, friends and and the organization because, He's awesome to watch play football, and he's a good dude. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. A lot of a lot of a lot of injuries and a lot of things changing. And um, geez, I mean, and just I'm thinking here out loud. The whole running backs don't matter. We're not going to pay them. Versus the running backs say we do matter. Well, they, you know, just Barkley and Chubb, who were you know, both in on that side of things and, uh, you know, both injured, bang, you know, and, and of course, like, Barkley has a sprained ankle. I don't know. I'm right here saying I neither of us know what Nick Chubb, we didn't, I mean, I didn't watch the game. I don't know, but it sounds like it's significant. But, like, even just on that business side of discussion, almost, you know, it's not, uh, it's not helping the cause for running back saying we deserve money. Not that they can control when they get injured, just the sheer volume they take. Like they are more prone to get injured than, you know, most other players on the field just because they're taking, arguably taking the most hits from game to game. I mean, I don't know. Would you, is that an interesting point? Would you agree with that for the most part? I mean, I mean, that's how it is, but I think because they're taking those hits, it's like we expect them to wear down faster. And here's how I think we should, we should treat running backs, Luke. And I'm not saying this insensitively. I think we should give running backs more money on the front end. And then as guys like Zeke, as they get older, then let's start doing giving them more of the running back by committee. Now, that's not optimal, but it's more fair. What happens is running backs don't get paid nearly as much as the other positions, even early on. And teams are incentivized to keep them at the bottom of the totem pole on offense for salaries because of it. Like, you know, if, 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 if a running back doesn't get drafted in the top 10, like, forget it. They're not getting paid much money. I'm saying compared to everybody else. And then they're most likely to have a gruesome injury. And so teams want to not pay them because the shelf life is, is lower. They can get, they're going to, they feel like they're going to get the maximum potential out of a running back maybe in the first three seasons right like the running back position is probably one of the most utilized positions for younger players early on even for quarterbacks sometimes like they don't mind drafting a quarterback in the top 10 and then letting him sit on the shelf behind a guy like Andy Dalton as example and I I know Bryce Young's playing but they'll happily bring in Andy Dalton and pay him you know, $6 million a year 
and and paid their rookie quarterback 15 million, 20 million, whatever, and let him sit there and learn because that he holds their future in their hands. Well, running back, they don't care. Running backs are a dime a dozen, so to speak. And so they just they paid them pennies on the dollar. And when they get hurt, that's it, which is why they want all these guarantees. Uh, regardless, you know, hopefully speedy recovery for Nick Chubb, whatever, whatever the prog- you know, diagnosis is. And, uh, and yeah, that, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. It's been a, it's been a rough start, a uh, rough start for nutrition and, and body parts in the NFL. Yeah. Should we cut to uh GPP food of the day and story time? Let's do it. Let's do it. I, I got a couple good ones. I'll oh, look, let in. me say this La- last one before we, we, we pull the GPP food of the day. last start. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. Monday night. It is going to be a showdown slate, but I'm actually very anxious. I actually want to watch this game, Luch, which is which is crazy. I'm really excited about Eagles Bucks. I want to see what the Bucks are made of on uh, Monday night. If they come out and just hang with the Eagles, Eagles win by a field goal late, then I, I, I'm I'm really going to feel like the Bucks are for real. If they win this game, Luch. They're going to be thrust into the national spotlight, and are they going to be able to handle that with Baker Mayfield? I, I I think this is a very crucial game for the Eagles and the Bucks. If the Bucks win this game, they're going to be a, they're going to be in the top five in the NFL probably in terms of teams. Top five. The defense is pretty good, and uh, the Eagles on the other side have not put four quarters together. That's for sure, and they're banged up yeah. in the secondary. Yeah. By the way, the the public got to see finally more of the AJ Brown divaness come out, and um, that irked me. Obviously, he was a Titan, fantastic football player. I still think he's a fantastic football player. I still think he's a little bit of a diva. He's a wide receiver, of course he is, but that bothered me because he was so upset about not getting targets when the team was just dumping the football down Minnesota's throat, and it was working, and. Why do you think it didn't work in Tennessee? Because you have Derrick Henry. They they won the AFC while AJ Brown was on that roster, and he just got just got tired of blocking. It wasn't about him. He wasn't the guy in the spotlight, and he wasn't you know obviously got a little frustrated with that. Like the Eagles were running away with it, like literally running the ball on the ground. What happens? They get in a confrontation on the sideline, and then Brown. It's still a competitive game, and Jalen Hurts goes out of his way to target him. Granted, one probably should have been a touchdown multiple times and there's a flag of the play it obviously didn't count instead of just sticking with the game plan like how easily and how like how it it just shocked me to see them give in that much with the play calling because one of your star players was unhappy even though his team was winning the game comfortably that blew my mind a little bit chief yeah absolutely i i get it but he's probably the premier diva wide receiver right now in the league and Quite frankly, you know, he's going to have his games, right? He's going to have his games. But to me, if you are a number one receiver, you should probably have at least eight targets a game in the National Football League. Because Devontae Smith, I think they're 1A and 1A, man. No, no, very very true. I I don't disagree with that. But I'm saying if they're 1A and 1A, should most of the offensive production through the air go through them most games? Absolutely. I, I, I think I think that's the way it should be. Yeah. So so yeah. You're right. But 
you know, bef- entering the entering last week. But but the answer is he a diva? Yes, sure. No disagreement there. Yeah, cool. yeah, seems like a cool dude. But I mean, come on, your team is winning. Like there are bigger things than your targets and your receptions. Oh, maybe it won't hit your incentives. Whatever. You got a mega deal from the Eagles. Live with it. But entering last week, since week two of the 2022 season, including the playoffs, Devontae and AJ had the exact same number of targets. Like, what's going to make the guy happy? He better deliver. If if he's going to start, you know, kind of being a little loose like that and act like that in Philly, he better deliver or the fans will be much quicker to get on him a little more. So... Regardless, you know, great football player, great football team. Hopefully, yeah. if they lose to Tampa Bay, that media is going to have a lot to say, like you said, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. but they're also going to have a lot to say about Tampa Bay because it won't it won't be like Tampa Bay's one and two. It will be a three and oh Tampa Bay team, which is totally different in a national spotlight. All right, so GPP food of the day slash story time. I'll throw these together. Uh, I was in a couple different parts of Colorado with Taylor. Happy birthday, Taylor. Belated birthday. And I had In-N-Out Burger for the first time. And my reaction is much better than, like, the peer, the McDonald's, Burger King, Wendy's kind of peers in that tier. <laughs> um yeah. And probably better than the burger joints that are a slight step up. Didn't blow me away, but it was really good. And uh, shout out to Grant Neifer. Hung out with Grant in Colorado Springs a little bit. Watched some of the games. He told me exactly what I should order at um, In-N-Out Burger. So that that was good. I had, I had to try it once. Coffee joint I don't have here on the East Coast called Dutch Brothers Coffee. Was unreal for like chain coffee. Blows Dunkin' and Starbucks out of the water. Uh, this is my chain here. I'm a big Wawa guy in Northeastern PA. And if you're from PA, the Wawa versus Sheets battle is a big one. There we go. My background is blowing it up. But uh, so that was cool. Dutch Brothers Coffee. And then I think I think uh, Taylor and I both ate probably arguably some of the best restaurant food we ever had at a place called Earl's Kitchen in Denver. Totally went there on a limb. Um, she had a filet. I had Cajun blackened chicken and uh, ribs. And I rarely get I really get chicken when I go out to, to somewhere good, and it was unbelievable. Like Earl's Kitchen, I think it's a, a kind of like a minor chain. There's a couple locations. I think there's one in Florida, but if you're ever in Denver, that place was unbelievable. I, I was surprised. It's not often I leave a restaurant and I'm like, "Yo, that was top five food maybe I've eaten out." I you know I don't ever don't get to say that quite often, but Earl's Kitchen was awesome. Plus, really good hospitality there. When we made the reservations, we told them it was Taylor's birthday. And they all, I don't know if they pre-signed them, whatever, if they did, still cool. But they gave her a birthday card and all the servers and people that worked there all signed it. So that was kind of cool. Okay. I mean, yeah. who does that? So that's uh, that's what I got for you. I have, I have one more thing that kind of ties in with story time and food of the day. But if you have something, I want to hear it first. Well, let, let's go GBP food of the day and talk about, you know, Chief's new uh, lifestyle change. So I, I've had a lifestyle change recently where, um, I'm not eating uh, meat, so to speak. So, you know, no beef, no pork, no chicken, only eating seafood. Um, they call it being a pescatarian. Uh, that's that's the official term. Uh, I'm not going to do this forever, but it is something I decided to do recently. I um, mean, I am going to mostly stick to it. So, uh, Luch, I've been mostly eating fruits and vegetables, mostly with 
fish or shrimp. I've had some scallops. And so, um, and I love scallops, by the way. Uh, and, you know, I'm still eating rice, still eating bread. Like I'm not, I'm not trying to just cut out all the, all the things I love, but I, ha but I have been, had a focus on uh, just eating a little bit differently. Um, you know, I, I, I haven't had any problems at the doctor or anything like that, but it's just something that I felt like I should do. And so I'm doing that. And let me just say, of all the things that I've enjoyed, if I've got to go like grab something quickly, I don't know if, how many people have a Captain D's where they are. So it's a seafood, a, kind of like a fast food seafood joint, Captain D's. They've got a grilled lemon pepper whitefish. And let me just say, Luch, coming from a, a place that's not a sit down restaurant, it's really good. Lemon pepper whitefish at Captain D's. Really good stuff, in, in my opinion, in terms of flavor. Really good stuff. Yeah, my favorite I, fish is cod. It's nothing compared to cod, but the flavor, really good. I, I was super late to the lemon pepper seasoning party, but now I'm I'm a huge fan. Yeah, huge it's fan. really it's awesome. good. Changes the game. Um, that's awesome, man. I'm, I'm awesome. I'm excited to hear and, and follow your progress with that. And uh, that that's awesome, man. Being in the South, I'm sure it's a little easier having access to some some better. I mean, yeah. trust me, there's better. And seafood. I live by the coast, so I can get seafood anytime. Like we've got local seafood places I can go to and get you know fresh stuff prepared for you. It, it's it's amazing. You know, I, I worked in the restaurant industry years ago, and uh, I'm really conscious. And like you, I always tip it, it at least twenty percent. You have to borderline insult me to get less than 18% if I'm tipping. I, I just know the industry stinks um, and it happens, but I'm pretty conscious uh, when I go out and tip and, you know, you treat me with respect, you know, you say hi, you do your job and I, I love it. I get it. Um, I've been yeah. there. And that goes the same for me and not only the restaurant industry, but you know, uh, I don't know. You go to the Christmas tree farm and someone ties your tree on the roof. You tip them a couple bucks. Um, yeah. You know, you uh, have valet parking somewhere, you tip them a couple bucks. You know, you're playing craps, you tip them a couple bucks when you wing. You know, whatever it is. Like, I'm I'm pretty conscious about tipping. And the, the, the tipping culture um, has kind of been a, a popular debate over the past, I don't know, couple of years where some people are saying, wow, the tipping culture is getting out of control. Some people, like, some people demand tips or get arrogant when you don't tip them when, you know, traditionally maybe you wouldn't get tipped for that service. And now you go to restaurants where they – or you might even be getting takeout or you might be buying something random, but all these point of sale systems, they flip over the screen and they say, do you want a tip? And you kind of, you kind of feel like a jerk. So, you know, if you don't tip them in certain situations, I suppose, or, you know, you see them roll their eyes once in a while. I, I don't know, whatever. Anyway, I, I'm generally pretty conscious. And, you know, one of my debates is, and I'm sure people have different uh, takes on it is like when I get takeout food from somewhere, like I, I don't tip, I don't tip. If I'm eating in somewhere, like I tip yeah. really well. Uh, yeah, if I'm absolutely. if I'm if I'm at some niche like a niche establishment where they're doing some kind of preparation in front of me or whatever, like I'll tip. Like I I don't know. I'm pretty conscious, and I'm not. So this example, and I saw it for the first time when I was on the plane, and I've flown I've flown quite a bit in my life, and I've never seen anybody do it. And I'm not saying it's wrong at all. I was just I was just like, huh. I never even like thought of tipping the stewardess, like who would just pass out like the Pepsi and the juice or the peanuts and the crackers. 
And yeah. then like, the, the person that sat in our road tipped stewardess. And like, I wouldn't want that job. Kudos to the flight attendants and stewardess because you deal with some crazy shit on, on airplanes and the public, you know, everybody acts a fool. And still, like, I don't want to pass peanuts out to 300 people. And they put it, you know, generally they all have a smile on their face and they do a great job. Um, but I it never, like, maybe if I bought alcohol and I, I've only done that a couple of times on the plane. And usually I'm paying with a card, but I never even I never even thought of just tipping if I'm just getting like peanuts or pretzels or like a like a soda or something. I, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, that 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 is that is interesting. I actually never thought about that either. Now, you know, in terms of um like you know, the person at your hotel, like I've I have i heard, hey, you know, just leave them leave them a few dollars on the pillow yes, and they'll exactly. know it's for them. Like like that that, you know, but man, on, on the airplane, that's actually a unique one. I, uh, yeah. I haven't even thought about that. Like, like, I almost felt bad that I never thought about it for a second. I'm like, I've never, if I feel better, you've never seen it. I've never seen it, but I mean, Hey, it's 2023, but still the, and those people work hard. Like I, I yeah. would not want to do that job. So yeah. I don't know. But, now, listen, now but listen, but they get, they get paid a lot more than your, your person at the, uh, at, at the, uh, at the hotel or that trust. Oh, yeah. Oh, they, yeah. they get paid a lot more. So I, oh, I, yeah. I think that's why we would not have, that's not something we would have considered. I don't think ever. Right. I mean, you got servers at restaurants making, you know, two eighty five an hour kind of thing. Right. Like, right. Right. Totally Absolutely. But unique situation, some food for thought, if you will. Chief, uh, what do yeah. you got going on this week? Where can people find you? Uh, I, mean, I got so much going on, man. I'm going to be doing some stuff for owner's box, which is a, oh, a new GPP site that we can go over and get a little overlay. In, so I'm going to be, be in those streets. Uh, still, still, of course, hanging out with my good friends at Price Picks, and uh, catch me in the pop shop. Catch me on the Twitter spear at Chief Justice 06. Catch me on the Blitz Show, and uh, it's going to be a good party for NFL this season. We'll be back at you next week. Ton of Roto Grinders and Scores and Odds content coming at you. Make sure you're checking out both sites. For my guy Will Priester, I'm the Luch Justin Carlucci. Good luck, everybody, and see you next week. <laughs>